Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. We all know about that in my life and how hard that's been for me and also my listeners. You guys hear them talking about it on the mailbags. It is hard to manage finances with a partner. Putting away money for retirement, since I'm not going to be doing this podcast forever. Sorry, I guess I could, but retirement is huge for me. I am deeply focused on it right now and planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Taxes are a doozy and it's always changing. How do you know what to do? Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, this is Gabby Dunn, your host. Uh, Before we get into my co-host joining me, uh, which you'll find out in a second who that is, I wanted to talk about how we did this episode about gay marriage to honor the anniversary of the passage of gay marriage, uh, which was on June 26th. And um, we did this episode before the overturning of Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court. So now it is Monday, June 27th. And my guest and I are going to keep some of our original conversation. And then now we're going to record an update, uh, taking into account everything that's happened over the last few days. So, yep. Happy anniversary of gay marriage, I guess. Give it a listen. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Okay, hello everyone. Huge announcement. Uh, I am getting a co-host. And um, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, what's up? Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> How you doing, losers? It's me. Your boy, Malblum. Malblum is joining the podcast. Um, so Mal is going to be part of, uh, I would say, a chunk of episodes. Not every episode, uh, <laughs> but you will be joining. You will be joining the podcast. So if you want to write in and you have mailbag questions or mailbag comments for Mal, Mal will be able to address them directly, just like that one mailbag episode where I forced them to answer on the fly. 
so tell us uh, who you are and what, um, like, you know, what your background is, what your day job is. Who am I? What's my background? What's my story? Uh, my name is Mal. I am dating you. Um, Correct. Uh, carbon dating you. Um, just kidding. Romantic dating. Well, I don't know if there's romance, but partnering. <laughs> Partnership. Okay, you know what? I already regret this. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I am my day job. I'm a songwriter. That's my day job. Um, I tour. I toured for a long time Uh, before the pandemic. I tour still, but not as much as I did. Um, I start. I write uh, music for film and TV sometimes. Um, And I had a real heel turn in the pandemic. and now I'm just taking any jobs Hollywood is giving to me, including acting and modeling and apparently podcasting. What's up? It's Callie Malley. I was just excited. Sorry. I'm excited too. So Mal, Mal is my partner, but Mal has appeared in, I would say, a handful of episodes of this show. And uh, every time they have appeared, the people have spoken and they very much enjoyed Mal's presence. And there was a really good response to Mal coming on to talk about ADD and ADHD and money in our neurodivergence episode. Uh, People really related to them. Um, Mal has talked a bit about their experience as a non-binary transmasculine person on the podcast. Uh, Mal uh, also has answered some listener emails where someone wrote in and talked about ADHD and money and neurodivergence and money. So people seem to appreciate Mal's perspective and insight. And so I want to have them on more often and in a more official capacity um, because I think that their perspective on stuff is really good. Also, the thing is, is that I've been doing this show for a long time. And so I kind of know a lot of things already. So one thing that Mal is going to do is Mal is going to represent know people nothing. who know nothing, <laughs> who are starting. And they've graciously agreed to be a guinea pig for a lot of stuff. Meaning that uh, if you have something financial that you want someone to try that isn't you, Mal will do it. And that is anything from looking at paying a lot of money for uh, life coaching, doing some sort of cleanse. I did not volunteer for this. You'll be doing kind of these things I gotta that- I got to get life coached. <laughs> yeah, like things that people swear by or uh, are wondering if it's worth it. We're going to uh, have Mal do them and report back from the field. Now, to me, if it's funniest if Mal is having a bad time. But- Mal might come back and have actually uh, and will actually say, oh, this was really good. And you guys actually it is worth you guys doing. So we're going to be sending Mal out in the field. We're going to be I having Mal I do not want to have back. a bad time. Why do you want me to have a bad time? It's funnier. But no, I, I hope no. you discover things that will benefit the audience. I hope you, you, know you do stuff that the audience then learns that they are they should do. Listen, here's how it's going to go. This Okay, me being on this show is democracy at work, and I'll tell you how. Because the audience spoke, and they said, we want more Mal. And you gave them more Mal. So they're not going to turn on me and make me do bad stuff. Because we're me and the audience, have, we're, we have unionized, um, <laughs> and, and we're not, we're not going to go against each other's interests. But what if they want, they find something financial or money related or expensive or something that they're like, this is too good to be true, must be a scam. And they want someone else to look into it that isn't them. Yeah, I am a mark. 
I'm a mark yeah, for sure. That's going to be you. Okay, but then whose job is it going to be to pull me out, Gabby Dunn? It's going to be yours. <laughs> exactly. So, no, you were like, Mal's just starting out. But it's, I would say, I don't, am I starting out or do I just not care? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I like, am, and- <laughs> am I starting out in my financial journey or am I just a himbo that, you know, was not made for a financial journey? Let's find out. Right. So this is the so this is the thing is that now I know a bit and I'm bringing on a new person, a, a poochie, if you will, uh, <laughs> who doesn't know things. And you're going to you're going to represent the audience now. Are you Sick. ready for that responsibility? Yeah. Let me get it backwards. Cat cap and a skateboard. What's yeah. Mal's representing the young audience here at the podcast, even though we're the same age. It's me, Gen Z. It's me, Gen Alpha. That <laughs> you're a baby. <laughs> OK, so. This is the thing. If you have stuff that you want Mal to do, if you have stuff that you want Mal to look into, if you've ever wondered if this is worth it, if you've ever wondered if something's a scam, if you just come up with something and you're like, I actually would love to see Mal do this and it doesn't really have any sort of impact on me, but I do think it will be funny. <laughs> write in and let us know. Yeah. Uh, Mal is also going to be <laughs> responding to your messages if you want to write nice things, if you want to ask them questions. And then also Mal will be talking uh, to me about topics that uh, we want to cover on the show that are relevant to their experience. And also perhaps coming on to learn some stuff and ask questions that you, the audience, might ask. Mal is your eyes and ears. Okay? Your Mal eyes, is your I'm eyes, your ears, ears I'm mouth. Your hands. I'm your ears. I'm your so hair. if something doesn't make sense, Mal will be the one to say, hey, Gabby, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I love that. The, it started off with me being like, OK, well, I'm like sort of a kinesthetic learner. Like I learned by doing so, like maybe we can have some interactive bits. And Gabby was like, I will put you through a cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to donate my body to science. I'm not using it. Exactly. So, yeah. So I'm very excited to have you be part of the show. What a revamp. What a revitalization. And we're going to be doing some other shows, too. Uh, some recap shows with friends of mine that we're going to review, take down, break down different money media books, podcasts. Tori Dunlap and I from Financial Feminist are going to read a Dave Ramsey book, which will be a bad time for both of us. Upcoming, I am reviewing the book Hashtag Girl Boss. I also talked to a friend of mine who used to work at Goldman Sachs, uh, and we watched The Big Short and talked about it. So there's going to be all kinds of stuff. I think my producer on my other show, Melissa Montz, if you guys know her, we're going to talk about the movie Set It Off, where they rob banks. And we're going to talk about when it's fine to rob a bank. So there's all kinds of fun stuff coming up. I think Allison's going to make me watch Selling Sunset. I don't know. I think you you mispronounced the name of that movie. It's Sugar and Spice. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Set it off is a no, no, no. Set it off is a better version of that. There's so many movies where people rob banks. Point break, one of my favorites. Anyway, the reason that Mal is on, we chose this day for Mal to debut because we're recording this on the 23rd. Three days from now and three days past from when this airs was the anniversary of gay marriage. Uh gay marriage passed June 26th, 2015. And I wanted to talk to Mal about what's happened since then, uh, what that's meant for us as a queer community, what it means for me and Mal as a couple, and also their history with 
understanding the concept of gay marriage and what that's done because it, it in some ways it was a financial benefit and it was something that came out of the AIDS crisis in terms of uh, partners not being able to inherit money or be able to get pensions or things like that. So there is a strong monetary value to it and we wanted to honor the anniversary of it being legalized in all 50 states. June 26, 2015. So Mal, when did you first um, learn about the gay marriage debate? Personally, I would say 14 probably because um, while I was queer, it had become a real hot button issue in terms of the conservative right um, sort of using it as something to mobilize their base, basically. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, George W. Bush... Um, and he was really uh, campaigning on the amendment to ban same-sex marriage. And I was not into that. And my dad at the time was into George W. Bush. So we argued quite a bit. And uh, I was like, this is my this is my issue, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you um, were we had different experiences where you were out in high school. Sort Not of. by your own volition, but you were out, you were outed, but you were out in high Early, school. Yeah, earlier on. And yeah. so your dad knew that this was a personal issue to you. It was a personal issue, but I don't remember at the time when we were sort of getting into it, whether he knew I was gay or not. Can't really remember because mm. it was, you know, it was like kind of like 14, 15 around everything happened kind of around the same age. But anyway, do you want to know something interesting? Yeah, always. So I think a, a, a big movement for, for gay marriage was born out of the the AIDS crisis in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But did you know that there were like calls for gay marriage like as early back as like legally court cases and stuff as as early back as like the 70s? Yeah, so uh, you were saying that you had done a bunch of research. So I just curious, <laughs> before, before, we, before we get into your research, how did you feel as a queer teenager realizing that people were trying to legislate against you? Was this a, like, did you suddenly realize, oh, I don't have the same rights as everyone else. How did that feel? I think I was already sort of like acutely aware of certain things, Um, not just like as a queer person, but like as a Jewish person, you know, just like I was sort of like acutely aware of injustice. But uh, I was like, this is bullshit. Yeah, I was like this. I mean, I could I was like, this is clearly like it's just it's it's like the same way that trans kids are the mobilizing point um, Mm -hmm. for like the conservative base right now or, you know, immigration or whatever they choose. It's like, do you you don't really give a shit about this. You're just Mm -hmm. trying to like mobilize the bigots who have nothing else in common politically. You know what I mean? So so that but they're going to vote for you because you've you know, scapegoated this thing that they all hate. So I think even at that time, I was like, this is bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, I was not out, but I lived in Florida and my mom is a divorce and child custody attorney. And I remember her talking to me about how gay couples in Florida could not adopt. And I remember she had clients who were these two guys who had fostered uh, a bunch of children over the years And they had a couple that they wanted to adopt that the children had been with them for probably like seven years. And they were the the dads of these kids. But it was still always on the horizon. Like they might get adopted. They might get adopted. Um, And I remember they were trying to uh, adopt the kids and they were not allowed to. And I think in the end, they were not able to adopt the kids. And I remember my mom 
saying that that was unfair, even though I was, I knew that my parents were not anti-gay, but I was too scared to come out to them anyway, because I was like, probably they'll be something like, well, not my kid. I, and also I just wasn't ready and I didn't, I just didn't want to answer any questions, I guess. But so I knew that there were laws against us, not regarding marriage, but I knew that there were adoption laws against us because I could see through my mom's work that that was the case. And I felt that that was incredibly weird considering how many children were languishing in the foster care system, which I knew intimately because of my mom's work. I knew the numbers. So I think like when all of this started happening, I too came to the same conclusion you did, which is that it was a way to eliminate the class barriers so that the people on the right don't say, well, we don't have anything in common with these rich people. Voting for this is not in our best interest. But you know what? We're protecting marriage, the sanctity of marriage. So we, so I'll be a single issue voter such as this, such as trans kids, such as abortion, things like that, that they believe through, I guess, religious means. It, it eliminates the, the ability for them to question the class differences within the party. It's interesting. Foster care, I feel like it is a more complicated conversation. You know Definitely. What I mean? But I just, I just remember that being my first. That's your first introduction. Introduction yeah. to it. Bigotry on the right is how they. I agree with you 100. percent Is how they can convince uh, people that some people have nothing in common with to vote against their their own interests. It's like exactly. Don't look over here. Look over there. You know. So you started doing research. What did you find out? <laughs> what did you find out about the 70s? Um, no, I like Googled like first gay marriage or whatever. There were a couple couples that uh, like took it to the courts to be like, hey, we're going to get married. And the courts were like, no. And actually, in one case, mm, I believe it was an immigration case. Um, mm. But they they used the F word. The, <gasps> court, the court did. Yeah. The court did? Yep. Mm-hmm. Canceled. Courts canceled. Wow. Okay, so here's the thing is that gay marriages were kind of happening in these in these ways that were unofficial for forever. Civil and, you unions, know, domestic partnerships, yeah. No, I'm talking even like Boston marriages or like Ann Lister or, you know, taking the sacrament, which uh, if you watch Gentleman Jack, you could see like there were these people what the that hell were- was taking the sacrament? Ann Lister- and her partner, they went to the church and took the sacrament as a couple. They were like one of the first lesbian couples to be like, no, we are doing what married couples do in the church. And they did it. People didn't like it, but they did it. So I had a real journey with gay marriage in terms of like where it fits in our movement, you know? Right. Because I would say like teenage years up until 18, I was like, this is the issue. And it Correct. and it was because, and, and that was partially because politicians put it in the spotlight and were like, this is the issue. Mm -hmm. And it was partially because that was sort of the issue that like the big gay rights lobbying organizations were focusing on, right? Yes. Um, and then I remember I got to college. I met a friend of mine. He wasn't like, I'm anti-gay marriage. He was just like, I don't care about that. And I, yes. I remember being shocked at the time. And I was like, what do you mean? And then I found out that like Human Rights Campaign has like a lot of anti-trans stuff in their history. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like finding out that Santa Claus wasn't real. Not that I know totally. what that's like because I am a Jew. Um, so I sort of had this big, like, where I was like, oh, right, we shouldn't be focusing all of our energy and all of our money on this thing. And then I was like, wait a minute, all these rights are important to all of us. And like, even like, because at first it was like, oh, this is like an issue that just like benefits the most privileged of our community. And I was like, no, actually, these rights are important 
for like all of us. There's so mm-hmm. many different things. And then I was like, well, why do we have to be married to get these rights? Yes. As, I was like that exploding. Galaxy brain. Galaxy brain. And now I'm like, well, we, but you do. And so we should have access to it. <laughs> yes. Um, so I too went through the thing of this is the most important thing. This is what we need to put the money into. Realizing that that was a very white cis situation. And then I listened to an NPR interview with Cleve Jones, who was an activist. Uh, You may have seen him portrayed in the movie Milk. He worked with Harvey Milk a lot. Um, And he was talking about how gay marriage was important in the wake of the AIDS crisis because he saw so many people, like I said before, not be able to get pensions. Their partner would die of AIDS and the family who had disowned them previously would come in and take everything out of the house and the partner would be homeless or left with nothing. Literally barred from 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 hospital rooms. I mean, you barred have no right rooms. as a next of kin if you're not married. Wills were invalidated, mm-hmm. all kinds of things that were really devastating. Mm-hmm. And so Cleve Jones was talking about it in that regard. The face of the movement was very white and privileged and cis, but that doesn't mean that that's who benefits from having rights. Like yeah. all of our community benefits. Because if I would go so far as to say that if you are – going to be barred from your partner, your lover's ho- yeah, hotel, hospital room by their family of origin. It's almost like the most privileged amongst us are the people who could get around that. You know, if you have money, yeah. rules don't really apply to you. Um, right. So that makes, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like you need the protections for the most vulnerable people. Most vulnerable, yeah. So then the thing is, is that there's two sides to everything. And like that happens with this show a lot, right? Where there'll be someone who comes on and says, we need to have all of these protections uh, and make sure that women and marginalized people are able to make money. And then I'll have someone else come on the show and say, fuck that. We need to burn everything down. (laughs) There's no ethical way to be a landlord. These women who are like, I'm an ethical landlord and I own property. Like, this is not a thing. And like, you know, these people are like, I don't want your rights. Um, And we see that as far back as women voting, the suffragettes, where (laughs) uh, some people would say, this is what we need. We need women to have the vote. And then there'd be other women who were like more anarchist and they'd be like, I don't want to vote because fuck the government. Right. And so I, this thing that you you're saying where it's like, I don't actually want gay marriage is this kind of thing of like, well, I don't want, I don't need the government to sanction me like straight people. I don't want that. Right. I'm not, we're not like straight people and right. we don't want that. Right. And then there was this very interesting, I've mentioned it here before. There was this incredibly interesting documentary called Gay and Proud from 1970 where they, this woman was going around and she was interviewing people at the Pride March a year after Stonewall. One of the guys, I wrote down the quote because one of the guys says, that he hopes that gay rights allow straight people to reevaluate their ideas of marriage, divorce, and property is what he says. Damn. And I feel like that is kind of the thing that we're at now, which is like, why are we begging the government for basic rights and basic scraps when it's become clear that they don't particularly care. So it's kind of this very interesting thing. Also, I think I told you this, that I went to a screening of um, Desert Hearts and they played this movie, this short film by a guy named Jim Hubbard before. And it was like an experimental short. It had a lot to do with AIDS. And he uh, was interviewed and he said, 
that there were two plagues that hit the gay community. One was AIDS and one was gay marriage. And then, <laughs> and then someone Eats. asked him to elaborate. And he was like, kind of like, I said what I said, but I, but okay, but I was like, that's interesting to me because he, what he I meant it. I was, I get that it's tongue in cheek. Yeah, I get that. What but. he meant was <laughs> the community is begging to be like straight people, and that hurts the community, and we don't I, end up okay. getting the rights that we mm. actually need because we're busy fighting for what straight people. Uh, for straight people's approval. I think and obviously that, I that understand. guy is an edgelord and yes. he's saying things to yes. be provocative. Same. Yes. And he's like pro- a, you know. I understand the sort of like anti-assimilationist notion of like fuck marriage. I do. I really do. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm Jewish and queer and very neurotic. So I've thought I'm constantly, you're like, oh, every people have like really different stances on, I, mean, I have at least three in, at, at all times for right. any, any issue. You ever heard that? Two Jews, three opinions? Yes. Um, <laughs> um, and we're both Jewish, so we can say that. And I have ADHD, so it's like, I'll have like at least five opinions. And I'm, and then I'm like, that, that, I don't even believe that anymore. That was five minutes ago. Um, yeah. And I'm not offended by people. When that guy said that, I was delighted because I was like, okay, that's I'm crazy. Not, and I like hearing delighted. people who are provocateurs. Okay, let me tell you why I'm not delighted. I understand the anti-assimilationist tongue-in-cheek notion of that statement. I do. However, you yourself just said that a lot of marriage protections were born from things that happened during the height of the AIDS crisis in the 80s. Right, right, right. So to me, being like, all right, um, if your partner dies, you need access to their hospital you need access to their funeral arrangements yeah you need um to not be you know taxed if you own a house together like right. you'll get the house taken away you'll get like you know you maybe you couldn't even have access if your partner had health insurance but you didn't have a job that had health insurance you can't get on their health insurance i mean during mm-hmm. the aids crisis like that's huge like oh if you get arrested which obviously being gay, gay people n- being arrested constantly. being arrested all the time at that period in history trans and people, no, yeah. you have to testify against you're not married you know it's like yeah. there's so many things so to and also at that point in time aids i mean it killed it basically killed most of a generation for me to be like there's two plagues and one is aids and one is gay marriage is like <laughs> oof like i understand your what you're saying but that's not a very nice way to say it considering the context Totally. And he is Just a my gay own man opinion. and his short was about like spreading the ashes of his friends and stuff. And I think sometimes that that makes you very I think that affects you traumatically and makes you very cynical. And I don't fault this person for that at all. Yeah, I have no context for him. So No, yeah. And I, you know, it's weird for me to have such an intimate relationship to HIV AIDS in that like my uncle who I'm extremely close to has had it my entire life. I'm 34. He was diagnosed like 35 years ago, but I, but he was an intravenous drug user and that's how he got it. And he's a straight man. So he is anti-gay marriage, but just (laughs) because he is not anti-gay marriage at all, 
But yeah, it's this weird thing that I grew up so intimately acquainted with AIDS, but never in the context of talking about gayness. It was always in the context of talking about addiction. And my aunt and uncle, Michelle and Stephen, going to AIDS support groups where everyone else was gay and going to AIDS trials where everyone else was gay um, and how intimately they were acquainted with that community by default. I am curious as to like how, because at that time, obviously gay marriage not legal and they were married because they're a straight couple. So mm-hmm. I am curious how that affected how they were able to navigate the system versus maybe some of their friends being interesting. Better. It's what you think. <laughs> she was able to go to everything. You know, like, yeah, she was able to go to everything. There were no there. The only thing is that people would judge her and be like, your husband's gay. You know, they would tell her. Your you husband is to, gay. My husband is gay. Yeah. yeah. Or they'd be like, you don't have to stay with him. Like you should go leave and start a life. Or they would say, oh, if my husband got AIDS, I could never trust him. And I, you know, I would leave him and things like that. So she dealt with some of that. Like that's a nice thing to say to someone. Oh yeah. Or like homophobia (laughs) where they'd be like, I can't believe you're sticking by your husband. Who's clearly an F word. (gasps) I know. And then she would have to be like, no, no, he's actually a heroin user. And that was somehow more, (laughs) And they were like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. I know. It's truly wild. So what was your experience on the day that gay marriage was legalized in all 50 states? What what were you doing? Set the scene. Okay, I don't remember, but I do remember post what I posted on Facebook. <laughs> what did you post on Facebook? You know how like uh, opponents of gay marriage, um, one of their big talking points was it's a slippery slope. Like then it'll be. You could be, marry a goat. You could marry a goat. You could marry a hundred people. Like blah 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 blah. So I posted on Facebook something like, "Well, now I gotta propose to all of you. Guess it was a slippery slope or something." <laughs> <laughs> you troll. I know. And I used to at that time I was drinking and I uh, would get drunk and like propose to my girlfriend all the time, but like in a like bit, like in a com- comedy way. Like I didn't really. So, I, but then we, so I was like, oh, I got to stop doing that because now it's going to be like a real thing. Now it's real. <laughs> yeah. I went out with friends to Flaming Saddles. I was, Cheyenne was with us, my sister who identified as straight at the time. Wild. And, which is wild. She's bisexual now. I was with this girl, dating this girl, and we. You got married? No, but we were making out outside of Flaming Saddles and we got catcalled. Ooh. And she, we were drunk and she went, not today, sir. Not today. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Which was very funny. I remember posting pictures where uh, I was like, this is the first person I came out to. So it was Cheyenne. And then she posted something on Instagram being like, so happy for my sister. Like, mm-hmm. I love you, support gay marriage or whatever, which like now is hilarious because she is gay. But uh, she was like, I'm an ally. 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 That's a TikTok joke. But yeah, so it is interesting, too, because I had been in Massachusetts for school. I believe Massachusetts was the first state. It was the first. So that that's city and state is has such a back and forth about being so progressive and then being so not progressive. But they love to pat themselves on the back for being very, very liberal. You can't say anything. I'm a New Yorker. I can't say anything. You can't say anything about Boston. It'll, I know. It'll and open yet- up a, a vast feud and I, and I, I don't have the time or energy. I'm sorry. So it was interesting for me looking over the original Supreme Court ruling because it wasn't necessarily a, hey, we want to get married. The ruling was like, 
we are being our our Fourteenth Amendment is being violated. Like they went in, they went into it kind of like suing to say we are already together, and you not recognizing it is actually against the law. Versus mm. them trying to create a new law. Right. What they didn't, they weren't trying to make a new rule. Right. They were trying to say this rule already exists. You're just not applying it to gay people, and that's unfair. Which I didn't realize until reading the document this week. Uh, I haven't actually read the document. I okay, mean, well, I'm, I'm smart, and I'm better than you, and I have read legal documents. I am busy and popular <laughs> and um, not a fucking nerd. So that, and that's, and that's what's going to be beautiful about this new one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. So I was um, surprised that it was essentially like a lawsuit to be like, we're currently being discriminated against. And then well, that, that was makes, the ruling. That makes sense because you couldn't sue. You know what I mean? Right. Like if you wanted to take the legal route, take it up to the Supreme Court, like it, it has to be some sort of constitutional right. question, of, question of law. It can't be like a new law, you know? So I was surprised by that, but it made total sense. And then I was so interested in the ways in which the opinion of the court was written. The dissent was probably Scalia, right? Justice Kennedy wrote for the majority. Mm -hmm. This is what was so crazy. The dissenters were John Roberts, Antonin Scalia, Clarence yeah. Thomas, and Samuel Alito, and they each individually wrote their own dissenting opinion. Yeah. They each, yeah. each of them were like, I I have to say, we can't all write it together. All, all of us get to say our own, like we need to file four... <laughs> For anti-opinions. Sometimes they do. I know, but it's just such overkill. But anyway, Justice Anthony Kennedy wrote the majority opinion in a, mm -hmm. a five to four landmark decision. And it's very heterosexual. He wrote, no union <laughs> is more profound than marriage for it embodies the highest ideals of love, fidelity, devotion, sacrifice in family. In forming a marital union, two people <sighs> become something greater than once they were. As some of the petitioners yeah. in these cases demonstrate, marriage embodies a love that may endure even past death. It would what? misunderstand these men and women to say that they disrespect the idea of marriage. So I also hadn't previously <laughs> realized how almost religious that language is and how like almost like very, it's very you know, traditional the heterosexual, traditional, extremely traditional, the most yeah. profound union, so the, profound. the <laughs> fidelity, I'm sorry, fidelity being part of it. So non-monogamy yeah. is not part of it. Also, family being part of it. Like we you they want to raise kids like everyone family. else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> family. You know what? I think that's probably why a lot of people bristle at the concept of gay marriage being an integral part of the movement is because they're like, yeah, this doesn't, this doesn't sound like me. This doesn't sound like my life. This doesn't reflect the queerness of my life and like what I'm fighting for. But I kind of also am like, well, however we get there, we get there. Like write whatever you want and vote in favor of civil rights for gay couples. Like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and also it's like, all right, well, so like that doesn't really, it's like whatever, that's your own like Christian ideals or whatever. But now with the court structured as it is, that would probably be the 
dissenting opinion. It wouldn't be the opinion. And that would be worse. So it's like, for me, I'm like, yeah, whatever, right? Whatever opinion you want. I didn't even read the opinion. I just, you know, I want to be able to marry you if we want to get married. And uh, Oh, you want to marry me? I didn't say that. <laughs> oh, you want to marry okay. me? Admit you it. marry me with devotion and fidelity and family? <sighs> <laughs> Admit it. You said the producers wanted to do this because the anniversary of gay marriage, but this is just like a ploy to get to find out what I think about marriage. I already know what you think about marriage because you've kind of asked for my ring size subtly a few times. So I'm no, waiting. I'm That's on the heels lie. of it. You Why were are you like, lying to I, the people. You, you came in and you were like, Why lie to the people? Because you said, Oh, I was looking at wedding venues. And I said, That's interesting. I don't have any rings on my finger. It's weird for you to I look said, at venues when you haven't proposed. I didn't say I was going to marry you. <laughs> Okay, well, good luck to whoever they are. I would love to be the flower girl in your wedding. Uh, no, sorry, Harper. Harper. Oh, Mal's niece will be the flower girl. <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm going to just walk out there with my own basket, step in front of her and start throwing flowers. You want to know what's so funny? What? Um, Steffi, my sister's husband, Chris, um, keeps sending me videos of he wants to be like, he was like, I want to be the flower bro, but instead of flowers, I want to pass out beers. And I was like, what? No, that's, first of all, it's not, a, why, that's not a role. Second of all, <laughs> stop sending, stop sending me these videos. And it's like, bro-y guys passing out beers, like going down the aisle. And I was like, no, what? <laughs> that's a thing? Apparently. I mean, it's cute that he's asking to do it, but absolutely not. You know who's really <laughs> disrespecting marriage? Straight people. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, look, I think that yeah, we know. Lean into it. Say yeah. more stuff. Say think, more stuff. Get canceled. Yeah. I think we've learned a lot. Straight people. Straight Urgh. people. They don't listen to this show. Uh, I like the way that that guy in the 70s phrased it, where I think queerness allows straight people to kind of feel like they can do more and reevaluate their own feelings on stuff. And that's why they call each other partner or whatever. But I think that there it's great, but I think there are more pressing issues for our community. I think that we've come a long way in seven years and there's more awareness now of people in our community who don't fall under men and women. There's way more um, need that people are seeing for universal health care or for me, I believe in UBI. I know that's controversial. There's a lot more awareness of other things that could happen and other types of people that, you know, want to be able to be in relationship structures that are inherently queer and that aren't, you know, regulated by the government in this very Christian heterosexual way. Okay, here's my hot take. Go on. I don't think it's that there's more pressing issues. I think that the issues are all connected and that you can't focus everything on one to the exclusion of the others. But yes. I think, you know, sort of all of these notions are connected, like the rights that are afforded with marriage are connected to these other massive issues that are sort of plaguing our community. But just I get it because like it's like the structure that we're living in, right? It's like, you know, marriage is tied to housing, is tied to mm -hmm. income, is tied to all these things. Healthcare. And it's like, Healthcare, and it's like, yeah, we should be able to have housing and healthcare, like first and foremost. And you shouldn't need to get married to have, like, be able to, you know, have immigration status and like all all this mm -hmm. stuff. But the way that it is, it's it is all interconnected right now mm -hmm. in our mm -hmm. in our. We live in a society. We live in a society. 
Well, thank you for joining me, Mal Blum. Wait, I have one more question. What? That would be well, so you're... funny. <laughs> that would be so goddamn funny. I'll kill you. No, I, no, I, no, I, well, no. Okay. Thank you for joining me, Mal Blum. Where can the people find you? Right here at home. Just kidding. I'm Mal Blum on everything. And yes, I look forward to responding to your mailbags. If they're nice, if they're mean, I'm far too fragile. And please don't write to me. <laughs> Yay. Welcome, Mal. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. No. Okay. So it is now Monday, June 27th. A few days ago, the Supreme Court ruled five to four to overturn Roe v. Wade. And in Clarence Thomas's concurring opinion, he mentions Oberfell versus Hodges, and he mentions Lawrence v. Texas, which is uh, gay marriage and then also uh, sodomy laws. Also, I want to say that other people have talked about how Loving v. Virginia is based on the precedent of Roe v. Wade, and that is uh, about interracial marriage. So that is also on the table. So Mal, what has changed in the last few days and how does that affect gay marriage? For me, it's twofold. So on the one hand, we had this whole discussion about uh, gay marriage and I do think it's a very worthwhile discussion. I also think it's a lot easier to sort of wax philosophical um, about these things when they're not in imminent threat, which you know, we understand on some level as trans people, right? I think there's like worthwhile discussions to be had about, you know, what we should be striving for in the community and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, those things sort of get pushed to the outskirts when trans rights are like imminently under attack, which they are right now. And so the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade sort of put that into perspective for me a little bit, um, just because and Clarence Thomas's concurring opinion when he wrote that he believes the the precedent to overturn Obergefell and Lawrence v. Texas is there. That to me is, it's sort of, it's saying the quiet part loud and it's sort of, those are the things that are imminently at risk for sure. And they all relate to, in my opinion, bodily autonomy and uh, civil rights, you know? Yeah, the sodomy law is what really got me. Because that, that one particularly is bothersome, yeah. Yeah, because that has to do with privacy in the bedroom. That has to do with criminalizing quote-unquote gay acts. Although, listen, I've dated enough cis men who want to do butt stuff. Not just to me, but me to them. So whatever. But how would you even regulate that? Well, what's interesting is, so Lawrence v. Texas and the, uh, was basically the federal overturning of sodomy laws. But obviously, they'd been state to state until right, then. Yeah. And it was 2003, I believe. And actually, people think of sodomy, they think of, you know, anal sex. Right. But, um, sodomy is any sort of sex act that isn't procreational sex. So, you know, any blowjob that anyone's ever gotten is technically sodomy. Under oh, sodomy, I didn't know that. Sodomy laws. As far as I understand it. However, who is criminalized for it? It's gay people. And Exactly. I think sometimes when we're having these discussions, it's really easy to be like, well, you know, that felt like so long ago. But actually, that was only 2003. Obergefell was 2015. And Roe v. Wade was never, you know, codified. Codified into law, I know. So, you know, these things are a lot more tenuous than anybody really remembers, I think. Which is, you know, it's in our interest to not think of our rights as being 
on a precipice at all times. But yeah, with Lawrence v. Texas, I think, I mean, the sodomy laws, from what I understand it, it's like, it's it was sort of like, it could be like a system of reporting. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's basically like informing on people. Yeah. So that's also like, not, it's a horrifying, it's horrifying. <laughs> Yeah. So, and Roe v. Wade in general. I mean, it, of course. Obviously, don't want to diminish Right. That. And I want to talk about how also Roe v. Wade applies to queer people too. People think of it as just something that is a problem for cis women. And I want to give space here to talk about how this affects uh, queer and trans people as well, not just um, cis people or straight people uh, and transmasculine people who are birthing parents or um, don't want to be uh, any sort of couple that is any mix (laughs) of uh, any kind of body is affected by this and also is affected by, you're right, like the Lawrence v. Texas sodomy laws. I've said this on Just Between Us a lot and I get called defeatist, but I think that the time for oh my God, we have to go through the the proper channels. We have to do all this stuff that relies on the Democrats. That's over. Like, we cannot rely on these people anymore. Why do we have a, a Democratic president, a Democratic Senate and House, and still the Supreme Court can just do whatever they want? And that has nothing to do with the will of the people or with voting, I've said this before on on JBU and possibly here, like when people are talking about, well, we have to go through the system, like Trump will win re-election from jail. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, so I'm very interested in the people who are now like super locally organizing. It takes a lot of different strategies, I think. Um, obviously, this system is a farce you know current republicans are like frothing at the mouth um like trying to kill everyone and then like current democrats are like hey vote for us (laughs) hey they're like hey vote for us and we won't let those guys kill you and then you vote for them and they're like oh man those guys those guys are crazy right and you're like yeah do something and they're like and you know what i mean and then yeah of course i know what you mean so so it's like okay one of these things is way worse but one of these things is not doing anything but i don't know yeah i definitely think like plugging into local communities is important and like doing for yourself and your community is definitely important i also think like i don't know primary the shit out of them you know what i mean yeah. like like let's get let's push for like more progressive people, I guess. It's also a lot of people in terms of financially have been talking about uh, donating to abortion funds, donating locally. My friend yesterday, whose sister is an abortion doctor in the South, um, was saying that even if you live in a place that you think is like a progressive place, such as we live in Los Angeles, there are people in the state of California who will need help still. Like they will need these funds you can be more local rather than just being like, well, the South is going to have it worse because she was saying it's going to be bad everywhere. So like if you get involved locally in your own area, even if that is like a major city, it will matter. Um, And that there are abilities, you know, for people to mobilize on the ground. There is um, aidandabetabortion.com. There is Shout Your Abortion. Um, There are all the local funds. My friend was talking about 
his sister saying that that even just like being a, a person who walks people to the clinic is like a big, huge help. You know, there's going to need to be sort of underground uh, groups because people either are hearing this and they don't know that there's another way. They don't have a way to fund getting somewhere else. You know, he was saying his sister was talking about that a lot of it is like just getting the information out there that there are other options. Maybe they don't even know that an abortion can be just a pill. Um, you know, they don't know how Plan B works. They don't know, like, there's a lot of information and sex education, like, kept from people. He was going around um, downtown LA and he hands out first aid kits and food and stuff. And part of that are is condoms. And so I think that there is an educational gap, too, that people might think, oh, well, I can't, now I can't do anything. And it's like, no, there there are people that can help you. There are funds. There are people on the ground that can help you if you find them. I mean, yes, there there definitely is. I also like bristle a little bit at like, well, you know, um, people people just need condoms, or you know, it's like, no, well, no, no, no. I'm saying people that need they don't medical have care. No, of course, <laughs> but I'm saying they don't have ac- they don't have access to the information of where the medical care is. Right. If they're a teenager, if it's being kept from them, if they're in an abusive relationship, um. To bring it back to gay marriage, I think the problem there is, of course, it dissolves the rights that people have uh, to each other, to each other's money, to each other's property, to each other's um, health. I think it sucks, too, because like we were talking about diverting attention, I think it then puts a lot of attention back on this thing that may not be the most pressing for our community, but then makes it the most pressing for our community as it like kind of was And then it takes away our ability to focus on other things because this becomes so important because it is important. So it's just like this backward. I feel it feels like rolling backwards on a hill where you're just like, I now I have to worry about this. And like, what would that even mean? They they just dissolve all the marriages like so then you're just like not married anymore we should talk to a constitutional expert. So we should talk about. But that's not even consistent at this point. It's, There's you know, a really good constitutional expert named Ben Sheehan. He's awesome. He's on um he's on Instagram and he explains a lot of stuff and he's really great and he wrote a book about the constitution. So if you go, he's my friend Jackie's husband. Uh so if you go to Instagram, Ben Sheehan is a, a great um uh resource for knowing about constitutional stuff in a way that is accessible. Yeah, that that's important. I just don't even know. I have no idea like what 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 happens. Like our friends are not married anymore. I'm not even sure. I guess it would go back to the states. They might be grandfathered in. Um, they might just not issue new marriage licenses. That was a thing that was happening for a while. You'd have to go to a certain state. Uh, there was a while where, you know, gay marriage was legal in Canada and not in the United States. So you could be married in Canada and, and not have it recognized in the U.S., I'm pretty sure, for a while. Oh, everywhere. Switzerland just legalized gay marriage. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Are we, and we're recording this, are we the people at the beginning of the, like, horrible war-torn event who are like, yeah, this is really bad, but then, you, like, later in history, it's like, why didn't they move? No, I don't We're not? It. No, because if we had been living in a war-torn event this whole time, I kind of feel like, you know, the roots of America are... are are, (laughs) But are we our ancestors in Poland being like, surely this will work out? But we're... I don't know, because we're... we're, There's nowhere better to go, really. Yes, there is! mm. Canada, Switzerland, literally anywhere. I've talked to people on this show from the Netherlands who are living their best lives. No, Switzerland, not good. 
Switzerland, okay. really, 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 really expensive to get. This is what Kate Jones said. Really expensive. You can't get an apartment. And also, it's not as progressive as people think it is. Okay. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I'm, I think other countries are probably looking at us once again and being like, what the hell? Also, I think it's... I'm somebody who's like super escapist at all times. So I'm always like just like running away from everything. So I think I'm like, sure, there's nowhere to go. I'm just like, no, you gotta you gotta stay here and you gotta do the work and I don't wanna be completely defeatist too, because in LA, both the candidates that we wanted to win, Hugo Soto Martinez and Ionesis Hernandez, they both won. They both made it to the next step. So, and that happened also last week. So it's like, I think you have to have in your mind this idea that things are super local and they are changing in these very small but important ways. It just feels so overwhelming. But I'm just very, you know, this episode was about gay marriage. It's the um, seven year anniversary and we're dealing with this, that uh, I think you know, the Texas sodomy laws are something that maybe isn't so lovely and palatable to talk about, but it was in there and it does affect us and it is harrowing and will, like, if that is overturned, will, you're right, like, people will start informing on each other. You know, I think that's not as, like, soft to talk about as gay marriage. But yeah, a lot of these things, even, you know, people coming out and talking about Loving v. Virginia being on the table as something that could be overturned. I mean, this is like, this is all financial. It all has to do with like people's ability to escape, people's ability to get out of abusive marriages, people's ability to get out of abusive relationships with Roe, people's ability to uh, have their family, maybe their terrible family, not be able to make all the health decisions for them if they're homophobic or transphobic. Like it has a lot of reverberations onto marriage and safety. For me, I'm like, okay, so that's what's happened. Roe v. Wade's been overturned. People are going to die um, because mm-hmm. of that directly. It's worrying because if a case comes up, it mm-hmm. implies that the court has the majority and would shake everybody that we care about to the core, you know? Yeah. There are some unhelpful ways of talking about it. It is true. Like every time I see it's a women's issue, I am like, and me, and me. But like, (laughs) I don't necessarily say that, you know, sometimes I've seen a lot of like, make men get vasectomies or whatever. And it's like, okay, like I understand. I understand what you're saying. But like, one, it's just like biological essentialism. And like, you're not thinking about the way that all of our bodies actually work and we Mm -hmm. use them. And also it's like, it can tip over into eugenics like that. Like all of a sudden people are like sterilized men. And it's like, okay, well who, what men were sterilized in America? And like who who actually, exactly. So like maybe, maybe we don't go uh, directly to like, all men have vasectomies or whatever. Yeah, I know. Maybe we just say none of us bodies should be regulated by the government yeah. Well, thank you for this update. This is going to come out on Wednesday. I was meant to be an episode celebrating or talking about or revisiting the anniversary of gay marriage and introducing Mal, but we had to add this. So much happened and we would be remiss if we didn't add an update and give you guys, the listeners, the exact timeline of, of which this happened. So here's a little peek into how the sausage is made. If you could add one thing to the previous discussion, what would it be? I think sometimes, okay, here's the thing about me. I think sometimes I'm very radical and so I get very flippant about uh, rights that happen for 
who I deem to be not radical, which has gotten me on in trouble, which why I don't have Twitter. So I tend to have these very like radical sort of edgelord thoughts, but it's not edgelord because edgelords don't really mean it, but I like do mean it. So I think that I would not have the same sort of flippant like I want things to be like super queer in this one way and like fuck the rest, which it's very easy for me to go down that. What about you? I have a conspiracy theory. Well, I I love conspiracy theories. Mal, lay it on me. This is the closest I've come to believing a conspiracy theory since like the moon landing. And no, I won't won't explain that further. At first I was like, oh, like, you know, like the right wing conservatives, like they're just bigots or they're just trying, they mobilize their base. Like, you know, they trick people into voting against their self-interest, right? Yeah. Now I'm so close to believing this conspiracy theory that they're trying to create the next worker class. Like there's not enough people to do labor for yes. rich billionaires. And so yes. they're like, okay, no abortion, no gay marriage, yes. no, no gay sex. So that, you know, yes, like. fully. <laughs> I fully agree. I fully, I think I, you're, that's not a conspiracy. That's real. And here on Bad With Money, we welcome that shit. All right. So that's a conspiracy that I'm I, It's not a conspiracy theory. It's completely true. You heard it here first on Bad With Money. You didn't hear it here first. A lot of people have been saying it. And I will not entertain you thinking it's a conspiracy theory because I, this, it, I, I know this is our show slash my show. I think it's real. <laughs> if I come up with a conspiracy theory uh, every week that's taken me in, will you tell me if it's real? Yeah, of course. Obviously. <laughs> and that's what you can count on here at Bad With Money with Mal being a new addition. Please, every week, come with a new, con- or not every week, but come to me with a conspiracy theory, and I would love to tell you if it's true or not. And I'll tell you, largely, I'm going to think it's true. Uh, Mal will be back on the show on a regular basis. If you have things you want them to be the guinea pig for, uh, if you have uh, questions for Mal, thoughts for Mal, please write in to gabbyisbadwithmoney at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 844-474-4040. You can email a voice memo if you prefer. Join our online communities too. We're on Instagram, Discord, TikTok, Patreon, and Facebook. Links to all of these will be listed in the episode description. Don't forget to listen to the show the day it drops so we can get on the charts and spread the word. Also leave a five-star Apple review and I will read it on the mailbag episodes. Thank you for joining me, Malblum. Okay, I love you. Bye. (laughs) Done. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.